Listeners, imagine this. It's the middle of the summer, another day above 115 degrees, and you need a break. You gather all of your stuff and pack up the car for a long weekend. You're headed to California, daydreaming about the ocean. On your way out of town, you're driving west on Interstate 10, already thinking about the cool waves. When you see on your left a giant patch of land just past Goodyear. Wait, wasn't there a massive abandoned building there for years? There was, for 52 years to be specific. And before it was a massive abandoned building, it was a horse trotting park. Welcome to Valley 101 a podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, where we cover Metro Phoenix and beyond. I'm producer Amanda Luberto, and today I'll be joined by a familiar voice to longtime listeners of the show. In November, Maritza Dominguez moved from the podcast team to cover the Southwest Valley for the Republic. She'll be joining us today to answer, what happened with the trotting park in Goodyear? Before we can talk about the Trotting Park in the West Valley, we need to talk about a business family from Buffalo, New York. John Dunnigan was an architect in the early 1900s, starting the firm Dunnigan and Crumley. Later on, he took up politics and became a New York State Senator in 1915. Senator Dunnigan was a key player in passing the first Perry Mutual Law in 1940 that legalized horse betting in the state of New York. His son, James Dunnigan, better known as Jimmy, was a business manager, and in 1942, he opened the Buffalo Raceway in Hamburg, New York. This came about because horse race betting became legal. To be clear, the type of horse racing that happened at the Buffalo Raceway is probably not what you're thinking of. It's not Kentucky Derby style. They're off in the Kentucky Derby. Maximum security in Vacoma had good beginnings. Harness racing, or trotting, is a little different. So most Americans are familiar with uh, standard bred or thoroughbred horse racing, which has the jockey sitting on the back of the horse. Uh, trotting is a, is a more European sport, um, not commonly found here in the United States. So in, the, in trotting, the driver sits on a little two-wheeled cart called a sulky, which is actually pulled behind the horse instead of the rider being on top of the horse. Trevor Freeman is a local historian who runs the website phoenixtrottingpark.com. He has become the guy when wanting to know more about the horse racetrack in Goodyear. So, the Dunnigans opened a horse track in New York, and it was pretty successful. It's still open today, just under a new owner. It's a little lost to time why they were looking at the greater Phoenix area when they were looking to expand. But in the early 1960s, Jimmy Dunnigan pinpointed Goodyear as the location of his next horse-trotting park. He bought an immense plot of land from Carl and Norbert Abel, and with a team, he got to work. The vision for the Phoenix Trotting Park was grand. Thousands of seats, artistic design, big, beautiful windows. Nothing like it had ever been built in that area. The designer of the Trotting Park uh, was Italian. I don't dare try to pronounce the name. I'll use my Italian heritage to tell you the designer was Ivone Grassato from Padova, Italy. 
but um, I don't know exactly how they became attached to the project. Uh, there was an original budget for the track that was um, a couple of million, I don't remember the exact figure, maybe two million, two and a half million, and it ended up being about nine and a half million when it was done, so massively over budget, which was uh, a huge problem to come. In addition to Cresato, the design firm Victor Gruen and Associates out of Los Angeles helped design the Trotting Park. They were actually one of the first design firms to ever do an indoor shopping mall. They invented the concept of the indoor shopping mall, and they worked on the Trotting Park as well. For such an elaborate building in the 1960s, the Trotting Park took a shockingly short time to build. It only took them about a year to build the whole facility. In order to build a horse racing track this quickly, Trevor says the designers and constructors used unconventional and inventive methods. There were a lot of special techniques used in the construction of the trotting park. Um, One example was that they actually mixed ice in with the concrete as it was forming to keep it cool um, because they were building during the summer. Uh, Some of the other techniques that they used were um, reinforced concrete that was cast in place. So they actually dug forms into the ground, into the soil, and made uh, V-shaped forms to do these giant trusses that would hold up the roof. And then um, after those cured, they lifted them out of the ground and hoisted them into place. Some of the other stuff that they did was aluminum framing in a lot of the interior walls. The facility itself was post-tensioned concrete. It was massively stronger than it needed to be, uh, three times stronger than a typical building of the time. Uh, It was really, really an innovative construction process that was cutting edge for its day. But what did it look like? If you drove past it before it was demolished, you have some idea of the shape. But in its heyday, with the grandstand and the windows, what did it look like to walk inside the Phoenix Trotting Park? So the Trotting Park was a long, rectangular grandstand facility. It had these rounded, triangular windows on one side. uh, I guess that would be the, the main entrance. There was a large paved parking lot. Um, Guests would come in, and there were these long, curvilinear walls that kind of greeted you as you came in. And so you'd come in the main entrance, and there was a long escalator that would take you up to the mezzanine level. From the basement to the roof, the park had eight levels. And then there were bars. There were bedding windows. There was a cashier. Um, On the corner of the facility was a restaurant that operated year-round, and then the main seating area was uh, stadium-style tiered seating with a massive glass window that fronted the track. And at the time, this was the largest installation of PPG safety glass anywhere in the world. Um, It was so impressive that it had made all these construction industry magazines and trade journals talking about this massive installation of this glass that was rated to like 120 miles an hour or something uh, for wind speeds and you know, desert storms and things like that. The Phoenix Trotting Park opened to the public on January 12, 1965. Over 12,000 people attended the grand opening. Over $130,000 in bets were placed on the first night. Because of its beauty and seemingly overnight success, there was plenty of press coverage, even landing the Trotting Park in Sports Illustrated. The racetrack had 60 nights of racing scheduled for its first season. They even hosted the Grand Circuit, which is the big championship race. 
In order to have all of these races, the Trotting Park had to hire a full staff to make sure the park ran smoothly. One of those people was Sally Kiko. Shortly before they opened, uh, I got a call. Um, I'm a nurse by trade, and uh, they were looking for a nurse for the first aid room. And it would be an evening. Um, I had just had my first child in October. And so if it was evening, my husband could care for the child while I worked. And it would be, you know, only for a couple months anyway. Sally and her husband live in Goodyear and first moved there in 1945. When Jimmy Dunnigan was building the trotting park in the valley, he was selling stock. Stocks that Sally's husband purchased, which is how she heard about the park in the first place. She told us there was always an ambulance on standby for emergencies and a doctor on site to help with medical needs. But Sally worked in the first aid room, where she said things were a lot more easygoing. We had things like aspirin and band-aids and uh, Pepto-Bismol and things like that. It was fairly simple stuff. The drivers would race at nighttime at the Phoenix Trotting Park, and the season was during the winter. So the hot Arizona weather wasn't usually an issue that Sally had to deal with. She was 23 when she started working there, along with a few other nurses and medical personnel. Because the job was mostly light work, they found other ways to keep themselves busy. They were young guys, so they were fun to work with. And we had one doctor that had no interest in horse racing. The night he was on, he always stayed in there and played gin rummy with us, so he was fun. But one night, there was an accident that Sally specifically remembers. Okay, the, the, the driver sits in what they call a sulky. It's a metal frame with wheels, and they ride behind the horse. And uh, he had fallen out of the carriage, so we were called out to the track, and uh, he was already dead. After the autopsy, we found out that he'd had a heart attack, which caused him to fall out. And then when he hit the, the guardrail around the inner part of the racetrack, it lacerated his liver and he, he bled out quickly. But as I said, the ambulance was there and we had a doctor. Of course, it was a coroner's case then. <laughs> and so we were there until the wee hours of the morning before the coroner came to release us. This was the only major accident we could find that happened at Phoenix Trotting Park. We're going to take a short break. Hello, producer Kaylee Monahan here. We're just taking a short break to let you know about our free mobile app. Whether it's stories like this one, politics, or breaking news, keep up to date with the AZ Central app, available in the App Store and Google Play. The Trotting Park only lasted two seasons. It wasn't necessarily as successful as the one Jimmy Dunnigan had opened in New York. Part of this was because of location. At the time, there was no Interstate 10, and Goodyear was still about 20 miles from downtown Phoenix. People would have to ride the bus to get to the park, and even then, there weren't many major roads that led you there. In addition to it being inaccessible, trotting wasn't really that popular in Arizona. It was not the style of horse racing that people were used to. Not to mention, Jimmy Dunnigan borrowed a lot of money to build the park that was way over budget, and revenue wasn't enough to pay back. So in 1966, the Phoenix Trotting Park closed and was left abandoned. 
Soon after the closing, it was purchased from another company, but they weren't really interested in maintaining it as a horse racing track. Here's Trevor Freeman again. I believe that it was purchased by the Delaware North Corporation, which had also operated other racing tracks around the country. They were also loosely affiliated with organized crime. And so they gutted the facility, they took out all the chairs, the seating, the furniture, the fixtures, equipment, and uh, used it in other facilities. The park did have a second life as an abandoned building, but not really the life the city of Goodyear was looking for. The park became something of an attractive nuisance, which means that people were trying to go there to play paintball, to scavenge for metal, you know, scrap metal theft. People wanted to go there to do all kinds of crazy things, spray painters, graffiti artists. There was part of a skateboarding film that was shot there. Uh, there was um, like adult pictures and videos, photo shoots done there, you know, all kinds of crazy things that people, you know, uses that people wanted for this abandoned place. People going in and taking pictures and videos is actually how Trevor got involved in the Trotting Park himself. I went there with some friends. Uh, the gate was open. We went inside, walked around, and took some pictures. And I was the second person to write about it on the internet. But I had just found out about this thing called urban exploration, which is people who have a fascination or appreciation for abandoned buildings and places. They find beauty in the decay of, of old structures and love to visit them and photograph them and document them. And so I had just kind of found out about that and was really excited to go explore this old horse racing track, which I didn't even know what it was at the time. And uh, I posted some pictures on uh, the Urban Exploration Resource uh, website. And that was kind of my introduction to the trotting park. From there, he started doing more research and people started sharing their stories and information about the park with him. This is how phoenixtrottingpark.com got started. Urban explorers, photographers, and other curious people investigated the park's hollow ruins for something interesting to do. Even father-son acting duo Martin and Charlie Sheen shot part of their 1998 movie, No Code of Conduct, there. The movie is not very good, but in the movie, the Phoenix Trotting Park is blown up from many different camera angles as the characters escape. Classic action movie stuff. But mostly, it sat empty and sad and took up a lot of land in the West Valley. In January 2016, the land went up for sale for $16.5 million. The sale didn't go through, so a demolition was scheduled for 2017. In September 2017, the Phoenix Trotting Park was officially torn down after sitting empty for 52 years. Valley residents came to watch the wrecking, a piece of Arizona history cleared to the ground. Residents like Richard Minshaw talked to the Republic while he watched the building come down. A little bit sad because it's been around so long and we've lived out here so long, but uh, you know, progress is the way it goes and I'm sure that's uh, what they're doing and uh, what they're gonna do with the property. Now, the building didn't explode and they didn't blow it up like you might imagine when you think of a building being demolished. We were kind of hoping they'd blow it up, but you know, <laughs> we'll take what we can get. It was wrecked section by section until all that lay was rubble. Even Trevor had to go see it. I went out to the park to take some photos of the demolition. 
They had a helicopter circling, doing live video coverage on the on the news. It was a very sad time. Uh, I wish that there had been a way to preserve the building and adapt it for future use, but nobody came forward with a plan or with the financing to do that, and that's kind of sad. Goodyear wanted to develop the area as a destination location. At one point, the city even considered building a water park there. But this plan didn't go through. Goodyear Councilmember Laura Kano told us more. And there was a point where the city actually conducted a feasibility study for that property to see what it could be. There was a big interest in our our staff, our economic development and our planning and zoning is to take that substantial piece of property and create a destination. Ideally, the idea of floating something along the like a water park. I think realistically, we can't even get a Trader Joe's out there. You know, I don't think we're quite ready for, for a water park. And we are, never really thought that we would get something that substantial in the West Valley. Once the trotting park was demolished, a New York-based developer, Keystone Equities, stepped in and worked with the landowner to create a plan for a mixed use. But the most likely thing you'll see go up first is light industrial. They called it the Innovation Center and went through the process to rezone the land. It set up three districts, industrial, commercial, and office. What you'll likely see go up first is distribution centers or light manufacturing. Crow Holdings, an industrial developer, now owns a big chunk of the land. The company has submitted site plans to the city to move forward on industrial development. Construction could start as early as the fall, the developers told us. The other two sections could take longer. When the west section of I-10 was built in the late 70s and 80s, dirt was removed from the site. This created a huge borrow pit. Developers fulfilled the legal framework to set up the pit as a landfill, but didn't commit to how or when the pit would be filled. Filling that is a, a substantial investment and it takes a lot of time. I'm really pleased that the property has already started the process to get that one filled, but it will take time. And honestly, they will likely build the light industrial first and have that become successful. Then that will pay for the infrastructure and pave the way. Meanwhile, Goodyear still grows. Some people were sad when the Phoenix Trotting Park was demolished, a relic of Arizona's past torn to the ground, and a cue that you're close to home when driving from California on the I-10. You know, the Trotting Park sat abandoned for four decades or more, and it's amazing how many people have developed an emotional attachment to it just from seeing it on the side of the freeway as they drove to and from California. You know, it, mean, it meant to a lot of people, you know, you're home or you're going on a new adventure. But sometimes things have to be torn down in order for something new to be built. And hopefully the land, which once held a beautiful grandstand, can now hold new opportunities for the city of Goodyear. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Valley 101. And a special thank you to Maritza Dominguez for joining me. So Maritza, you went out there and you looked at the land that's there. What did you see? Yeah, so I drove there, you know, westbound on the I-10. And it is a relatively hard place to get to because you get off on the I-10 um, and then you got to take a frontage road down and then you got to take like a left and a right and then finally you're there and then to get away from there it's the same thing you got to drive basically a mile or so to get back onto the freeway 
But the area there is still pretty rural. There is no uh, street lamps. There is Maricopa County like island land in that area. There's no um, there's no sidewalks. So developers will really have to put in all of this infrastructure to make it into a destination how they hope. But there is still going to be a lot of work that will be need to be done in that area for it to become what they're calling an innovation center. And that's like with today's streets and today's sidewalks and all that kind of stuff. I can't even imagine what it looked like in the 60s. It's probably why not a lot of people went. So make sure to check out her article about what might become of the land by reading her work at local.azcentral.com. If you have any questions about Metro Phoenix, please submit them to our podcast by visiting valley101.azcentral.com. If you're a fan of the show, please share it with a friend and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also support it by subscribing to azcentral.com. You can follow all AZ Central podcasts like Valley 101, The Gaggle, and our newest bioscience show, The Lab, on Twitter at AZC Podcasts. I'm producer Amanda Luberto with Maritza Dominguez. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next week.